Time Podcast, the show dedicated to focus on sharing insights, strategies, and stories related to digital design and technology work. I'm your host, Artish Nalawa, and today we're going to discuss about the infrastructure automation with Terraform. Today's our guest is John Mann. John is a technical architect at Huge here in Brooklyn. Hi, John. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, Tish. Hey, John. So before understanding about the infrastructure, automation, and Terraform, I'd like to go and ask the basic question, which all of us somehow has been interfaced, like the SAS, PaaS, and IaaS called YAS. Yes. Can you yes. just explain what's, what all these things So PaaS, which is very common nowadays, especially in the cloud platform, is platform as a service. And what that actually does is handle all the infrastructure for you. So it will build out all of your servers, allow easy scalability based off of the cloud composition and the way the cloud actual host will provide, whether it be Azure, AWS, or Google Cloud. They all have their own examples of platform as a service. In regards to YAS, which is infrastructure as a service, it actually allows you to manage all of the infrastructure and you will actually have to spin up your servers, although the servers and all of that development is actually hosted in the cloud. So by doing it that way, it gives you a lot more control. However, it also is very high on maintenance. The advantage of platform as a service is all that maintenance goes away and the cloud actually manages it for you with several levels of automated management, honestly. And on the, maybe the best practices, and especially the tune servers, which someone the best practices is use platform as a service, hands down. It yeah. just is so much easier. And unless you want to go down to setting up things like on Azure, you have a thing called ExpressRoute, which allows you to expand your on-premise solution to the cloud. And you have separate levels of security at that. And then you have to handle things like authentication yeah. and being able to handle it at that lower level then infrastructure as a service might be an option that you want to pursue. But in general, when you're spinning up something new, platform as a service makes so many things so much easier. So what's the difference between PaaS and YAS? So YAS basically takes all of your data center objects, like your servers, your network, your firewalls, all of that, and simply moves all of that to a cloud-based system. You're still responsible for the upkeep of the servers, the patches, the scalability. All mm -hmm. of that is responsible to you at the infrastructure as a service. Yeah. With platform as a service, it actually will scale up and scale down as needed. Generally, a lot of the patching will actually ha happen automatically. And all of the IPs and network configuration and all of that is handled for you through the cloud. Yeah, so recently these days, like automation playing a very big role, like they are automating the tests, automating the browser tests, automating the deployments. Now the trend is going to be like, why not to automate the whole infrastructure? So we can. that's where the whole conversation is going and that's where the Terraform comes into play. Like why does automation become more important on, on the infrastructure itself? One of the main problems I've encountered on any new project is the DevOps side of things. Everyone understands, they're like, oh, this is a solution, this is the code. But it's all that DevOps stuff that makes it tedious. So people create all of these Hello World projects or these simple one-offs, and they're like, yeah, I can code in any language and blah, blah, blah. But they don't know how to deploy it, and they don't know how to maintain it, and they don't know how to scale it. And because of that, they're missing out on 
so much of what's required from a developer standpoint. So why uh, automating all of that will make it so much easier. So if a new developer comes on the project, you can hand them a simple script and it will actually spin up all the resources, create a new environment and allow them getting up and running in minutes rather than days. The other example, which I have used specifically in the agency world, is when we actually hand off the final code base to our client. And we can actually hand them an installation script, and they can actually spin up all of that on their own accounts using that configuration as a service, which is what we're about to get to. So we are not (laughs) handing over the code, but we are also handing over the infrastructure where the code runs. Correct. Without infrastructure, code is useless. Yes. So we are just knowing that this code needs some level of specifications of the infrastructure it might need. Caching is it might need ALBs, but the ALBs has to be tuned this way. So Right. And uh, so I think it also makes sense if the infrastructure becomes more complex, then I think like doing those things manually over the time again and again. It adds up. Yeah. And especially when you're starting to deal with more and more different resources in regards to, oh, we need a firewall here. And there's some basic things that you all like... In AWS, you're like, all right, we need a couple EC2 instances. We need one for our Jenkins deployment, and we need to install this. And and you have some basic things that you use for almost every project. Yeah. But having to do that every time manually, when you can actually have an automation script that allow you to do it, it makes it so much easier. So I would say like uh, Terraform is one of the implementation of such a automation script specifications. Infrastructure as as basically as code is okay. the way I like to view what Terraform can do. So automation is one part, but does the Terraform is trying to solve other problems too? Or what are the whole list of problems Terraform is trying to solve? So Terraform, I believe, is trying to solve uh, several problems. One is obviously the automation of your cloud infrastructure and resources, whether it be an app service or an actual EC2 instance, or your uh, load balancer, or whatever it is. It'll handle all of that in regards to uh, infrastructure. The other thing that it actually handles is consistency. By doing what they're doing for deploying resources, it allows you to say, this is our base script, period. And then you can expand or contract on that based off of your needs. But then you always have a standard playbook for your infrastructure for any project. So when you go in, you're like, what are the best practices? The answer is this. So it addresses the best practices for infrastructure, which allows you to adapt over time. It handles the deployment strategy to AWS, uh, Azure, and the Google Cloud Platform. And it actually allows you to create a script that is under source control, maintained, and versionable. Versionable for years to come that allows you to say, well, how did we do it back in 2017? And we look at it now and now we're realizing, oh, there's a better way to do it. And then you can actually see the way you did it and see the progression you have of that infrastructure playbook. So Terraform scripts can provision my environments, right? So is it the, so does that only provision the cloud or or is it only meant for provisioning the cloud infrastructure? So the only thing I've actually used it for is actually cloud platforms. So I've used it specifically for Google Cloud, and I've also used it for Azure. Mm-hmm. Yes, I haven't used it for AWS yet, but I know people that have, and I know it works there too. I haven't actually used it for local uh, environments. 
local owners or maybe other infrastructures, uh, uh, maybe uh, I would say Bitbucket or, or well, Datadog. I think they have support for these resources too, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I actually don't know about that. So is the Terraform script or the provisioning scripts I write, is it like a typically cloud independent? Like if I create the, the scripts or the resources, if it executes for Amazon or Google, does it work for other cloud providers or it's No, just... it's, it is custom. So that's actually a great question. So when you create one, you're gonna create modules that will be specific to the cloud platform you're gonna deploy to. Yeah. So like, um, Azure does not have EC2 instances, mm -hmm. but AWS doesn't have app services, right? So they have versions of it, but the names are different. So you have to actually update your scripts uh, appropriately for that. But what you can do is actually create modules for all of those different resources, mm -hmm. and then simply include the right modules for the platform you're gonna deploy to. I think this is going to be how my next conversation. I think let's talk a little bit, go in depth about the whole ecosystem. So how does the script look like? Is it written in any particular language or it itself has a separate language? It's JSON. It's purely JSON data. And it allows you to do configuration in JSON data. Okay, so there is no Terraform language, so. There is no Terraform language. There's basically, there's, I mean, Terraform is an EXE or uh, an application based off of, I forgot what it was written in. But what's neat about it is there is basically three commands that I generally use for it. And uh, Terraform Destroy will take down anything that you've created, all of the resources. And Terraform Init. Terraform Init actually gets it or gets it all set up. And then there's, what is it? Terraform Play? Apply. apply. Terraform Apply actually will apply all of those resources to your cloud. Okay. So... Can you give me more details about the specifications? Like, there, are there resources? Are there packages? How? There's modules? the the way you yeah modules, modules. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, so the exactly? way they actually refer to that is they actually have modules that you can like a in a package in npm in Node Package Manager. You actually can have include files, right? Yeah. So it's very similar to that concept. And what it actually does when you do a Terraform apply it will actually allow you to, it will build out an entire graph for you based off of all the dependencies of the way you've included things. It figures out all of that for you. And it will build out this massive file that will actually be all of your resources. And you can keep them in a modular uh, format. So you can have like one folder that will contain all of your EC2 instances and another folder that will contain all of your Azure app services and another folder that will contain all your firewall settings. And then you just include them into a file based off of which ones you actually need and it will build a directed graph based off of that. So if I'm trying to understand uh, in Terraform file specific, uh, in general, we gonna going to have resources listed like AWS resources, ALB resources, uh, and then somehow we need to package them so that we can reuse them in a particular way. And that's where the module comes like. So I would say resource packaging is nothing but the module. Yeah, that's actually very similar. Yeah, the, the package the package manager is basically all of the modules that you're going to be including. Okay. And the main file would be equivalent to your package JSON file for okay. a node package. So once I 
once I created Terraform and then once I initialized it and uh, I created a plan, as you said. Mm-hmm. So where does that plan live? Is that plan lives on AWS? Is that plan lives on my local? Like it would, it would actually live on your local and then executed on the cloud platform. Does that make sense? Yes, but then someone has to maintain that state of the current AWS platform. Where is, is there any state file? About the current state of the deployed platform? Yes. Really, someone has to maintain it, right? Well, generally, you'll actually have all of that. Once it's deployed, your resources are now live running in production, period. Yes, yeah. So the state of that would be the last applied deployment. Yeah. So then it has to be maintained somewhere. Like, should we just have that state file keep on the cloud server itself, like S3 buckets or any buckets? Well, one of the things you could actually do for Terraform if you want to maintain the state and things like that, is you could use some type of CI process, mm-hmm. something like Circle CI, Team City, or even Jenkins, yeah. and have that actually do your Terraform deploy. However, you got to keep in mind when you do a Terraform apply, it actually is going to build out those resources. So for every build that comes, you're not going to necessarily want to re- redeploy all of your yeah. EC2 instances every time. Yeah. So it's a kind of one and done for a lot of it. But it just makes it a lot easier to do that. I think it can also extend our pipeline to the next level where maybe before creating dev environment or before deploying code, why not to spin up a whole fresh environment and then deploy the code rather than, you know, like if we can spin up the new environments, why why not to just create each time if it is like the creating and destroying is just well that's really helpful when you start migrating from a QA environment to a UAT environment to a production environment and that's exactly the one of the main reasons I recommend using Terraform is because of that is a lot of people are like well we're trying to spin up a new environment how do we do that and you just have to run that initial Terraform script change some of the configuration variables for the new environment and then execute you do your Terraform apply and it'll be solved. So it looks like Terraform gives developers a better way of understanding the infrastructure and as it, as they see the whole infrastructure in form of Terraform files, they have full control to add it, edit it. So in real time, how does it work? Like, because in real enterprise environment, there'll be DevOps team, there'll be sys administration team, right? Right. So how does it like, who, if the, if the Terraform code is checked in the source code, it Maybe it sits next to my application code. So I'm, I'm trying to use like how to manage it, like who installs, who deploys, is the developer deploys the infrastructure or how does it happen in your project? In, in my current project, the actual developer did deploy the infrastructure initially. Mm-hmm. So the developer who was the DevOps person for the project, actually, which was me in this case, <laughs> um, maintained all of the resources, did that single initial deploy and then would actually do a check if that deploy happened that we wouldn't actually redeploy the instances again okay so okay so the developer actually did maintain that but you got to keep in mind doing a a build and doing a resource deploy or a terraform apply are a little bit different okay so like consider like so it's, it's like yeah i think the standard day of practice expects developers should own or developers should have full control or maybe like moderate amount of control. Ideally, you would have a DevOps engineer associated with that project. 
Yeah, but in reality, sometimes some projects may not be all like where right. you can go and bring down the whole company's front face, right? Right. So, in that case, I think there should be some process where, like the before changing, before applying Terraform things on production, there should be some check. I think that can be yeah, absolutely to a CI pipeline, right? Yeah, because and you would want a different role to actually have access to do the resource deployment compared oh, to the actual so build. you can control who has access to Correct. execute those things. Exactly. Okay. So I would have like a, a standard developer be allowed to push builds, Yeah. but uh, expert or a super user to allow you to push resources. Modification resources. Or maybe right. standard users has a, to read the resources, but maybe write and execute and destroy that kind of stuff. Right. Okay, so... So even you said like the pipeline, CI pipeline. So like who in, in day to day, like is the developer executes those scripts from his local machine or like the CI server pushes it? Like you do the modification, then CI server pushes it. Who does that? I'll be honest. Initially, I would do it from my local machine just to see if it would work okay. and verify that all of those scripts are actually running successfully. And as soon as I verify that, I do a Terraform destroy. And then I would actually take that script and then add it to the CI process as a special build for new environment build, right? Mm -hmm. And that will build out your new environment using those scripts that I've already verified. So uh, I think that's going to ask my next question. How to test it? Are you just testing against the production AWS? Well, you can actually have different deployment slots on Azure. So you can actually use that for a, a testing. For AWS, you might need a separate environment for that. Yeah, or separate sub-accounts. Sub that's exactly what I was about to say, sub-accounts for that. And then one of the things that's really nice about Terraform is you can do a Terraform show, which will actually show you exactly what it would do and build out without actually doing it. And, and then you'll, I believe there's actually a command called Terraform graph that will show you how all of it gets built out together. Terraform is going to be like completely offload the manual work someone has to do on these cloud environments. If yes or no, no, you because, see, because I know this is a podcast. A lot of sensitive data like keys, credentials, SSH keys, user creation of users, setting user passwords. Right. I don't think so. I would like to add those things in, in source, source control. Code, right? right? No, I know this is a podcast, and as soon as you said that, I was shaking my head. No, there's definitely some security things that will always be manual. You can actually extract a lot of those and not have them checked in. Mm -hmm. um, and Terraform actually has a special file for that. Uh, TF bars actually allows you to set up variables. Mm -hmm. And then those variables will determine um, what you're going to pass into it. And then each module has both has two, uh, two parts. It has an input and an output. So an input is obviously the parameters that it would take. And the output is actually what it's going to actually output that you can use in a future module in regards to building out multiple things. A great example of that is some of the manual process you're referring to. Sometimes you're like, all right, well, I have to build my firewall, get the IP from my app service, and then put that behind the firewall. And yeah. you can actually do that with Terraform. But the manual process will not 100% go away. Yeah. Let me make that clear. So in that case, like, first of all, okay, I need to create some users. So who goes first? Should I create users first or should I use Terraform to create the environment and then create users? Like, 
egg first or chicken first? I see in, in my mind, I would always create the users first. Okay. I would get the users set up and configured mm-hmm. and make sure that all of that is up and running. And then I'd use Terraform for the deployment. Okay. Maybe you upload all the credentials, SSL keys. Right. I'll probably get into a debate with people in DevOps about, well, if you create the environment all at once, and then you could actually push the users to it. But I was like, but if you don't have the users, who's that allowed to deploy? And it is. It's a chicken and egg situation, right? There's always going to be a manual step somewhere. Yeah. For now. <laughs> so what are the cool resources where we should start, or the, our listeners can start to see about the Terraform? I mean, the, the main one is the terraform.io, and that is actually has all the documents about it, and it will allow you to show you how to do configurations, all the different commands, and has actually some really good tutorials on taking you through uh, setting up your first environment using Terraform. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to that, you can actually go to GitHub, and I know there's people that have actually created uh, separate modules that you can use on Terraform. and it's actually if you go to GitHub and you type in Terraform modules, you'll see a lot of resources there for uh, AWS, Azure, and Google Cloud. So, what are the what someone can do? Like, in case I have already cloud set up for my project, now I need to move to the Terraform. Is Terraform just for the only one where the fresh start comes, or like I can move my existing cloud environment or setup? You can definitely move your existing one. What you need to do is identify what resources you currently have. Okay. Right? And once you've identified the resources you currently have, whether and when I say resources, I mean everything. And once you identify that and you do a mapping to what the resource would be in Terraform, you should be able to put that into a Terraform script and deploy to an identical environment uh, based off Which of what you... With a separate environment. And then you can verify that your new Terraform script is the way you should build your environments moving forward. Is there any easier or reverse engineering way where I can get the Terraform state file for my infrastructure so that I can check in at the track of that? Not that I know of. And if that exists, please uh, reply to us and let us know how to do that. So if I, I actually gave it a subscription ID on Azure, it will actually tell me all the resources I'm using and build out a Terraform script for me. I mean, when we get there, that would be amazing because then backwards compatibility would truly go away. Maybe that would be my next little side project. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> so just a round of our discussion. Would you like to cover anything if, if I'm missing? No, I think we actually covered quite a bit, actually. If you have additional questions, go on onto the Terraform uh, forums. And also you can reply to us here. But I think we actually covered everything that I wanted to cover for the Terraform discussion. I think you also had, um, I think you have presentation on Terraform. Is there any accessible location where our listeners can go? And uh... I do. I do have a Terraform presentation. I will actually get that. I'll get that to you and we'll actually add that to, notes. yeah, in, in the notes of this podcast. Yeah, makes sense. I forgot about that. Thanks. Thanks, John. Thanks for giving us a chance to close. Thanks, Steve. That was fun.